Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 73rd edition of Coffee with Coach, and we are here. I'm coming to you from my hotel room in Edmonton, Alberta, where we play the uh, Edmonton Elks tonight in the CFL. But more importantly than that right now, I got a chance to uh, invite one of my really good buddies to be on the show with us and to talk about his favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys. Welcome to the show, Richard Graves. Jeff, first of all, great to see you and great to see you looking well. And more importantly, great to see your Tiger Cats right there in the thick of things at the business end of the season in the CFL. Brilliant that you're joining us hours ahead of a game as well. This is awesome. Yeah, it is. And, it, you know, it's you, the game day thing is just so, I mean, we have our meetings in the morning, then you have a walkthrough and then you have, you know, pregame meal and then you go back to your room and it's just sit around the room and wait for, the bus to go at four o'clock. So I thought, shoot, let's, let's talk a little ball instead of sitting down, sitting around the room, just, uh, you know, and adding to the anxiety of the moment. Let what in the world, my man, I got to ask this question. How much of a revelation has Diggs been and Parsons been to a cowboy defense that last year at this time couldn't stop a nosebleed? Well, we spoke preseason, didn't we? And I think I said back then to you, if the Cowboys' defense could just be middle of the road, league average, then with the offense that the Cowboys have got, this team could, could do something. I think it's fair to say through seven weeks of the regular season, this Cowboys' defense has been better than average. And that's because for the first time in years, they've got an opportunistic defense. Trayvon Diggs, seven picks through seven weeks, leading the NFL. Right now, he's on course to break the all-time regular season interception record. Will he do it? Well, there's a long way to go. But the the energy that young players like Trayvon Diggs, like Mika Parsons, gives to this team and the players that have come in, because let's not forget, on the defensive side of the ball, Dallas have had a number of injuries to their starters. And yet you wouldn't know it the way Dan Quinn has got this defensive unit playing. And combine that with the high-octane, offense that Dak Prescott is leading right now straight out of the gate and and you have a winning formula and all of a sudden we're watching things like game um, NFL good morning football this morning on NFL network and they're talking about the Cowboys as uh, Super Bowl contenders from the NFC so who knows where this season will, will end up but right now this is a dramatic improvement on what Cowboys fans have seen through recent years you know I want to take you back a year from right now and we you know, we had watched a Cowboy defense, a once proud Cowboy defense. And, you know, you go back in the history and Richard, you're a, a huge Cowboys fan. And, and obviously there was a time with the triplets and they've always had good offensive players. But the history of the Cowboys is really rooted in a defense and rooted in the doomsday, you know, the doomsday, the Randy Whites, the Cliff Harris's, the Charlie Waters, all those great, great Cowboy defenses of the past. And it was really hard to watch last year them be so disjointed in, on defense. So the communication was so lacking. There was no coordination from the front line to the second line to the third line of the defense. And I really, I really felt like Dan Quinn was going to make a positive impact. But I'll be honest with you, he's made even a bigger impact than I thought he would make. Yeah, and I don't think you'll find anybody associated with the Cowboys, either in the organization or, or a Cowboys fan that would disagree with those sentiments, Jeff. I mean, who knows what actually went on, what the reality of the story was last season with Mike Nolan's defense. 
you had players talking, saying it was too complicated a scheme. They Players didn't know where they were meant to be lining up, what gaps they were meant to be filling. All I know is that what they put out on the field actually seemed to give weight to, to those arguments. Now, this time around, players are talking about a more simplified scheme. Players seem to know what their assignments are. You've got young players coming in, players untested uh, and underrated it in some respects. You know, Osara Digizua, who is he, people would say. He was a mid-round draft pick that wasn't ever meant to start this season, but because of injuries to the defensive line, suddenly he's thrust into that starting role and he's making plays, stuffing the run, getting to the quarterback and pressurising him. You know, aside from week one, Demarcus Lawrence, the Cowboys' best player, Jeff, hasn't even been on the field. He's still out injured and Dallas haven't missed him. And I think a lot of credit has to go not only to the players on the field, but to Coach Quinn for the job he's done. And let's not forget Aiden Durder as well, the British coach that down there looking after the linebackers for the Cowboys because he's making noises as well. Well, I don't think, uh, I don't think we can really overstate the impact that those coaches have had on this football team. When I watch it as a coach, what I see is a defense that is playing with much greater energy than they played with last year. Um, you know, I expected that from Quinn. He's a high energy guy. The you know, players are drawn to him. He's that kind of personality, Aiden the same way. But fundamentally, Richard, they are so much better than they've been in the past. And then you mix that in with a really good group of young athletic chess pieces, if you will, because when you talk about Diggs and you talk about Parsons, you're talking about two guys that are, you know, very, very high level players that can do a number of things inside that defensive structure. Yeah, absolutely. And it's easy to overlook all of that, Jeff, in the modern NFL, when we talk about it being a passing league, it's about offense. But, you know, you speak to people like Troy Aikman from great Cowboys teams of old, and he will time and time again assert that, fine, he, along with Michael Irvin and Emmett Smith, got a lot of the praise and the great wall of Dallas on that offensive line. But it was the defense that led the NFL that enabled those playmakers to go out and put points on the board. And yet very few of them ever made it to the Pro Bowl. They were often overlooked. And so you come to the modern Cowboys team and sure, the headliners are Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, et al., but you've got to be able to stop the opposition when they're in possession of the ball. Dallas could not do that 12 months ago. And you saw through the first five weeks when Dak was healthy and playing, they were putting up 30 plus points a game. And I think they only won one of those um, out of the first four that, that they played. Whereas this time around, you've got Micah Parsons making plays from linebacker. Oh, and by the way, in his second game, we'll stick him in at defensive end and he'll just go and sack Justin Herbert in the process. You've got Trayvon Diggs, obviously, we've spoken about him with his interceptions. And then on the opposite him, you've got Anthony Brown, who's been with the Cowboys for several years. Suddenly, players feed off players and they're all making plays. They're all rushing to the ball and it shows in the products on the field. You know, I, I, I look at this team and, and you know, I'm going to use a coaching word here, or a coaching phrase here complimentary football and I see the Cowboys doing that because you know, one of the reasons why this defense is better and and again I we've already you know talked about Quinn we've talked about the players that they brought in but when you have Dak back and that offense is going the way it can go it really does help a defense first of all they're on the field an awful long time and second of all you know you're scoring points when you're on the field and so the defense you know, the, uh, you know, they're, they're facing more one-dimensional offenses than they have had in the past where, you know, teams would get, 
you know, they'd get ahead and they could do whatever they chose to. So I think the Cowboys are playing really, really good football right now across the board. Yeah, and it's a problem if you're an opposition coach preparing your team to play the Cowboys because in week one, Dallas barely ran the ball. They pretty much ignored Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard out of the backfield. They just threw it and ran the Buccaneers close. It went down to obviously the final play of the game. Well, since then, I think I'm right in saying Dallas in total rushing yards are leading the league, certainly going into the bye week, that that was the case last weekend in running the football. So suddenly, well, you can take away Amari Cooper. You can take away C.D. Lamb. Michael Gallup's coming back in all likelihood this weekend. He's another problem. But if you do that, how are you then going to stop the run? You can't load the box if you're going to cover the receivers equally. If you load the box, you're leaving these playmakers one-on-one, -on -one, and then you just add in Dalton Schultz at tight end, who Cowboys fans have noted from last season, but he stepped up to the plate again this time around as well. Yeah, and you know, and, and let's let's give full credit all the way across the board. You know, Kellen Moore, the young signal caller for the Cowboys, is doing an outstanding job. You know, it's interesting, uh, Richard, when I when I think about him, Kellen. I remember him being a quarterback at Boise State when I was at Hawaii. And, you know, there was nothing special about him. Left-handed guy that was average height, average, you know, athletic ability, average arm. You know, really, other than he was an absolute winner and understood the game. He really had great, a really high football IQ for a college quarterback. You know, I didn't think there was any way he was going to play in the National Football League, which he did. And then... I think I think Jerry really recognized something special in the young guy and gave him an opportunity to to be a coordinator very very young. It's going to be tough holding on to him because he will be a head coach I think in the National Football League very very soon. Well, there's a couple of things when it comes to Kellen Moore. I think number one is how highly does Jerry Jones value him because you're going back 15 years, 16 years ago now. But remember when Jason Garrett was the offensive Jason coordinator yes, in Dallas? Yes, sir, and, I did. And he, he went for interviews with the Baltimore Ravens, ultimately turned them down. Harbaugh got the job, but he turned them down because Jerry Jones opened up the checkbook and said, hey, look, we're going to make you the highest paid offensive coordinator in the National Football League. And oh, by the way, we see you as our next head coach. Well, when you look at Kellen Moore, a lot of buzz about him being a head coach sooner rather than later. But it, sometimes things are meant to happen, Jeff. And you go back to 2016, Dak Prescott's rookie year, when Tony Romo gets injured in that preseason game against the Seattle Seahawks. Initially, at the start of preseason, it wasn't Dak Prescott that was meant to be stepping up to fill Romo's shoes if he went out injured. It was Kellen Moore. But what happened in uh, training camp? Kellen Moore breaks his leg, ends up being on IR for the season himself. That opens the door for for Dak Prescott to step in and Kellen Moore never plays another snap ends up going into a coaching career and now look where he is with the Cowboys but sometimes it is just fate and it's strange how things happen but Dallas certainly uh, accounting their lucky stars they've they've panned out the way they have right now well let's talk about Dak you know because there's a guy that I love I've you know I, I've gone on record as saying that from the very first time I saw the kid as a high school player in in Louisiana and then on through his career at Mississippi State and into the pros. You know, um, there's something special about him, Richard. I, and, I, and again, he's got enough arm. He's got enough athletic ability. He's got enough of everything. He doesn't, he's not overly gifted in the Josh Allen or, or Patrick Mahomes kind of way, but he does certainly have enough talent. The thing I love about him is he just is such a great leader. 
you know, a guy breaks his ankle and goes through what he's went through. And then when I watch him come back and I watch him as a quarterback, I see a guy who invested that time, not only rehabbing his ankle, but fine tuning his skill set, his, you know, his, his presence in the pocket, his mechanics as a thrower, all of those things improved during his time away from the Cowboys. And I think really, 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 I know he's not, may not play this weekend, but I'm going to tell you something. He is, he is playing at an extremely high level. It, you know, in my mind, one of the top five or six quarterbacks in the national football league. Well, I, again, this week on NFL network programming, I've seen, them talk about Dak Prescott not as a top 10 quarterback not as a top five but a top three quarterback in the NFL right now and that again lends weight to what you've just said it's a great testament to his work ethic his leadership qualities as well because for me that is the most impressive thing about the way Dak Prescott has returned to the field this season because we see players having to overcome injury and just getting back is an achievement in himself in itself Dak Prescott took to the field against the Bucks. And from the first snap of the game, he didn't look like he'd missed a beat. Far from it. He looks like he was a better player than the player that got carted off against the New York Giants in week five last season. And, and you look through the six games Dallas have played, some of the throws he's made, some of the decision making as well in attempts to look after the ball. Uh, I, I remember his rookie season. What was the knock on Dak Prescott? Uh, he's solid, but he can't throw the deep ball. Well, you look at some of the plays he makes right now. Look at the game against the Patriots two weeks ago. That throw he made into the end zone to C.D. Lamb, back right-hand corner, absolutely pinpoint accurate. And then you're driving in overtime. Um, even before that, you've got, what was it, third and 25? He finds C.D. Lamb wide open and gets them into field goal range. Then in overtime, again, uses his feet to extend the play. Find C.D. Lamb running across the field on the move. It's right there where only his player can get it. And, and that, that's the most impressive thing, that Dak Prescott, fine, Dallas missed him for the best part of last season. They've now got a quarterback who's signed the big money deal. And boy, is it being paid back in absolute... You, you can't quantify it. He, he's a better player than the one that left them. And you look at it. This team will ride as Dak Prescott rides. It's on his shoulders now. It's his team. I don't think there's any question. I, and, you know, again, I have been um, very slow over the years to anoint the Cowboys because it seems like every year they, you know, they're, they're, they're the prettiest girl at the dance. And then, you know, again, <laughs> they, then when you go to dance with them, they got two left feet. So, you know, the thing, I, I, I really do believe that this Cowboy team, if it can stay healthy down the stretch, and that's a big if in the National Football League, but if it can stay healthy, it is poised to make not only win the championship in that East, but it is poised to make a deep, deep Super Bowl run. I see that kind of team in Dallas. Well, we, we've covered Cowboys games before, haven't we, Jeff? I remember being in Dallas for the uh, playoff game against the Green Bay Packers when they came back from a double-digit deficit and ultimately lost because they gave Aaron Rodgers too much time to move the ball downfield. I remember Thanksgiving Day. Uh, game where they played the San Diego Chargers, I think, as they were at, at the time, and got absolutely run all over. The difference is this season, they go to LA and play the Chargers. They dig out a hard-fought game 
winning it by three points instead of losing it by three points. They play teams like the Carolina Panthers, the Philadelphia Eagles, for example, teams that they're now expected to win, and they blow them out. There's a professionalism about this team right now that I certainly can't remember in as long as I've been covering the NFL professionally. And certainly as a supporter of the Cowboys, I think you go all the way back to the early mid-90s to find a Dallas team that was as professional and as ruthless in the way they're approaching games as this current team is. I agree with you 100%. I think they are legit, legit Super Bowl contender. Stay healthy, keep doing what they're doing, and, and they've got a great chance. Hey, now, um, you have got one of the killer podcasts going, and I want you to talk about your podcast and let, let the viewers know where they can listen because I think it, for everybody that's listening to this, it is certainly, Richard's podcast is certainly well worth a listen. I sure do appreciate you making time for it, Jeff. It, it was just a, an idea that we came up with uh, a week or so into the season because there are a lot of podcasts out there. So what can you do that's a little bit different? Well, this season, the National Football League has made it clear it's embracing the gaming aspect uh, around Sundays and NFL weekends. So I thought, look, we'll, rather than just two picks, we'll take three games each week Look at the line that the odds makers have set and those that we think are a little bit out. I'm going to explain why I think they're out and say which way I'd go on that. So it's just three games every week. We've got gone through six weeks at the moment. We're uh, 13 and five. So we're doing pretty well. We've got three more uh, selects for this week. Graves on Gridiron is the podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts from. Or you can go to my website, which is uh, www www.rdd.uk you'll find it up there where you can listen to but it's a short snappy listen around 15 16 minutes every week bite size i like to call it so if you're on your way to work or just jumping in the car it should fill that journey uh, perfectly graves on gridiron is a place to go and yeah we're going going well at the moment and we're hoping for a three from three this week All good, Jeff. Jeff's a mute, Richard. Your podcast was just that fantastic that he had to listen to it immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, speak and see if we can hear you. You can't. Oh, okay. Right. I'm not sure what's happened, Jeff, but if you want to refresh your browser, we'll we'll, we'll bring you back in in a second, Jeff. We'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll bring back we'll bring Jeff back in in a little second. This was always going to happen, Richard. Richard, one thing that I'm presuming Jeff was going to ask very quickly. Uh, you done NFL Network in London for the Jags yeah. Dolphins game. How did you find it? Uh, it? It was a fantastic experience. Um, look, anybody that's on this side of the pond that is involved with the NFL, a fan of the NFL, the NFL Network, and especially the coverage it gets through Sky Sports NFL now, as alongside. Uh, NFL Game Pass, that, that's your staple diet leading into um, Sunday evenings as it is over here in the, in the UK. So um, obviously when I've been in the States working before, I've uh, connected with, with many of their reporters, got to know people that work for the NFL networks, and to be given that opportunity myself this time around at Tottenham for the for the Jags-Dolphins game was absolutely fantastic. A bit of an insight as well into the way the game um, is portrayed over in the, in the States. Um, but certainly some great guys to work with, a great experience. Uh, and touch wood, the first uh, of a few more. Um, certainly something we're, we're working on uh, and I'm looking forward to.
Jeff, you still on mute, Jeff? Okay, no worries. Jeff, I'm not sure what's happening, but what we'll do is we'll take a, a short break and, I, and I'll call you and we'll try and okay. get these. Uh... Oh, nice oh you're you're here. there for a second. Oh, fine. Yes. He's here. He's here. <laughs> I'm going to go away. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> I, I think the producer was having mild palpitations there, Jeff, but you're back. Well, I know this. I, I tell you what, this this whole uh, technology thing is an imperfect science, especially when you're dealing across as many miles as we are. But again, uh, fans, listen to Richard's podcast, especially if you're a guy that likes to put a little shekel or two on on the games. He'll give you a, a great insight into uh, you know why why you should go one way and not the other way. And again. I appreciate you coming on this show, Richard. It's always a pleasure to have you. I look forward to being back in England real soon and hooking up and, and uh, again, talking ball and, and uh, you know, doing what we do, which is be fans of this great game. Yeah, for sure. It's been too long, obviously, since we're able to catch up in person, Jeff. So once you, you finish your commitments with the Tiger Cats and hopefully you're, you're lifting that Grace Cup at the end of the season, then we look forward to obviously getting you back over here and we'll sure catch up and talk some ball. It And yeah, we'll see how the Cowboys go as well. All right. There he is, one of the biggest Dallas Cowboy fans I know, a great friend of mine and really a tremendous, tremendous uh, media media talent in who has the, will give you those straight goods about the National Football League, Richard Graves. Michael, come thanks back out here. I'm yeah. here. I'm here. Don't worry. Richard, thanks so much for coming on, man, as well. I know Richard uh, has had a busy few weeks, Jeff. I was saying there whenever you were away, Richard done NFL Network for the Dolphins on Jags He's, game, which was, a, which was a good experience. I don't know which is who's big, more big time now, you or him, right? I mean, <laughs> you're, you're doing your, your, you're doing your show from the roof of a, from a, of a building across the street from, you know, White Hart Lane. You, you, I mean, you're Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, I guess. Excuse me. Richard's now giving betting advice to people around the world. I mean, you guys have way, way surpassed me. I mean, look, it's grand, Jeff. It's, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, here, more like, you know, obviously, as I was going to say more importantly, but as importantly, you're going to go on tour. Is this, is this rumor true? Is this well, here? what we're, we're talking about, and we're talking about, hey, listen, if we're going to come over to the UK to do the Sky Sports NFL games, which I believe we are, um, why don't we get out in the in the country and get out in the in the you know the islands and and uh take this show on the road take a live show on the road and so you know again you came up with the great idea to get people to to give us feedback about where that would be i mean it's one thing to do it in london which is great because you got the major city and all that and it's easy for us but the ob the object of this is to give the fans a little bit of something that they wouldn't normally get and you know we're open to going anywhere yeah there's four options at the minute there's london manchester glasgow dublin unnamed or unverified dates so far but jeff i can tell you live on here now there is 10 votes separating three different cities at the minute so i'll i'll we'll we'll make sure we get the link uh but yeah unbelievable demand and just people that really want to meet you and i get i guess have a pint or uh a rock shandy with you jeff and, and talk some football in hopefully early december depending on obviously when the cfl season ends that's that, that takes priority 
Yeah, it does. And, but right now, you know, again, we've got to play this game tonight. We've got to win tonight. And then we have next week against uh, British Columbia. And then we've got Toronto at home and or excuse me, on the road. And then we play home against Saskatchewan to close it out. We're in the hunt right now, but still have work to do to get a, to finalize a playoff spot. But tonight's a big, big game. So I'm going to leave you right now, my friend, about those four cities. Those four cities you mentioned, all winners in my book. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to make this a tour. Right, let's. What do you think about that? Let's talk about it in FaceTime after. But do, do, do you want to introduce our second guest tonight? I mean, he's a two-time Super Bowl champion. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's it is. He is a big-time, big-time guy. He is a, a great friend of our show. A great friend of, you know, what we have been able to espouse and about international players he's one of the original guys who made it to the national football league through the international player pathway program uh, he's won two super bowls as a member of the new england patriots uh it was voted by john madden as one of the top pass protectors in the national football league during his time uh, playing tackle for the patriots protecting tom brady uh, and is now involved with the nfl's expansion into germany the international uh, series into germany and uh you know, just a good friend of the show. So with no further ado, Seabass is here, Sebastian Vollmer. Hey, welcome to the second half of today's show, our 73rd show, 73rd time we had coffee with Coach. And we're back with one of our favorite guys and mm -hmm. a guy that is uh, – you know, I've known since he was a young kid. I've watched his career. Uh, feel very fortunate to have had him in my life as a player and also now as a friend as he's as he's in gone into retirement. Uh, he is a author of two books. They just had his yeah. wrote his second book. Sebastian Ballmer, ex New England Patriot, Super Bowl champion. Welcome to the show, Sebas. I appreciate it. Thanks. Always a pleasure. Right, when you hey. say, by the way, when you say coach, uh, I mean, coffee with coach, uh, A, where's your coffee? And B, all black, <laughs> what, are we, what are we going with here? What's, what's your now, issue? you, you what's know me as straight black. And black you know what? Anything that takes a place where caffeine can be, I don't want it in my coffee. So that's, that's <laughs> all right, all right. No milk and sugar. Hey, tell me something now. You have been in intimately involved in what's going on in germany with the international series games the selection of the cities the three cities that have been uh you know past the first round of tests talk to us a little bit about what's going on over in germany right now see guys so it's really exciting um they or the nfl selected three cities munich dusseldorf and frankfurt as a potential host city for hopefully next year's game to have an nfl game well, on the ground, kind of like what they've been doing in London. And uh, so I was just there in London at the London Games. And um, so the host cities came out kind of seeing, obviously the Germans know how to host, you know, an international event, soccer games, all those things pretty well. But I mean, football is a different beast. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, a soccer team arrives with one, maybe two buses. I mean, as you know, professional football team arrives. I mean, it's it's a circus, right? I mean, there are eight buses, there are equipment, there's tents, there are medical staff. I mean, it's, it's, it's a whole, you know, it's a whole city coming in. So a lot of those um, um, stadiums have to make adjustments, right? But those three cities and their partners, including the stadiums and all those things, certainly give um, both sides the greatest opportunity to maximize um, from a potential game. That means obviously the NFL bringing the game to the fans in Germany. Germany is uh, outside the United States, obviously, the 
you know, the strongest market, um, the most fans, the most subscribers, the most merchandise sales, like all those things. So they're really loving it. And, you know, they have been since the your time at, you know, the NFL Europe. I mean, they haven't haven't had any um, NFL like type um, league over there. So they've been really starved. So they've been begging for it. And you see it, um, any content that's being created, the Germans are really eating it up and they really love it. So um, it is happening. Now we're going into the um, the selection of which city it's going to be. I'm actually uh, heading over there next week. Um, and then it's kind of, we're paying the favor. Now we are going over there and looking at the stadiums, talking to the people and just kind of seeing, you know, everybody has the idea of um, what should get done, what one, what the league wants to get done. And, you know, it's not a one-off event. We would like to have, you know, support from the city, like as examples, you know, in London, there's an academy where um, um, kids go to school, get their education, but also being prepped essentially to play football at the college level or, or even professionally. Maybe that same thing can happen in Germany or um, youth programs. We're starting um, or there is a flag football league. It's been supported by the NFL that is being um, added to by those three cities. No matter which city gets the bid, those cities will get their own flag football team, which is then being played in school, uh, which is different. Obviously, in the States, you have sports and you have, you have football and you have other sports in actual high school which in Germany it's all club team based. Um, so you're taking one step out. We just in London had the NFL International Combine and there were some great athletes there. I think we're gonna see a couple of those in the NFL pretty soon, but um, just trying to take as you, what you said in your introduction, I mean, there was a lot of people that had a vision for me and kind of helped me to get there. And it, I mean, it takes a lot of effort or it took a lot of effort from a lot of people for one player. Um, me in that case, obviously I was a great beneficiary from, from the whole thing, but um what the league is trying to do take a lot of those um let's call it luck and circumstances and, and networking and all those things out and provide opportunities to um you know get foreigners or non-us citizens into the league with those combines with flag football teams with all those things and i think the the actual game that's being played in germany is going to be the anchor for that meaning you know with that you get more fans and hopefully the youth is being interested etc I think there's no question about that, Seabass. And I think all the, you know, the the things that go along with having a game in your in your country. And you know, Germany's got a long history of being a very very good American football environment. Uh, but now you think about what it's going to mean to have a game there. The whole buildup of the week, the spinoff effects, what it does for you know officials in the country, what it does for fans in the country, what it does for, as you mentioned. There, you know, if you knew, if you, you know, the percentages, less than 2% of American kids that play high school football ever sign a professional contract, much less right. play in a professional game. So, so it's not as much as it is for providing a player a pathway. It's great if it happens, but for all of those kids who begin to play flag yeah. football, what we're developing is hopefully NFL fans for the future, right. a sustainable fan base. And I think that's really, really important. Correct. When I was in London, Jack Crawford, who was one of the um, London-based, well, not London, he was born in London, went to uh, the States, had, uh, was still playing with the Arizona Cardinals, but so far it's been 10 years, great career as well. And he brought up a good point. Like, I mean, the chance of making it to the professional level, obviously, which in any elite sport or in any elite field, any job, I mean, to be the top of the world, I mean, it's hard to get to competition as fierce. Um, but there's a lot of different levels below that. I mean, going to college, getting college paid for. Exactly. Uh, I mean, that's it's a great opportunity. One of the best times of my life. I mean, it's it's four or five years of you know having fun, getting a free education, 
um, having a head start in life, like all those things are, are extremely valuable. And then I personally believe football can teach you so many good things as in, I mean, from the team sport to hard work to all those things you want to succeed. It's a great lesson for life. Hey man, I'm going to tell you something. I remember sitting in your living room, right? With your, with your, uh, junior coach from yeah. the producer from the Dusseldorf Panther yeah. and having him translate to your mom and dad what we were talking about with getting you a scholarship. And when I, <laughs> I remember this, when I talk about your son may be able to go to college in the United States for free because he played football, I swear to God, your mother looked at me like she thought I was completely out of my mind. And well, you probably were a little bit, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, but it's like, though it's, it's so rare. And I don't know, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's somewhat of a pipe dream, but on the other hand, you know, it does work for a lot of people. And, you know, why not you, you know, looking back, why not? Like if I would have believed in myself a little sooner, maybe, you know, you never know. So uh, well, to I, instill that in the younger generation. I tell you what, and you know, you, you hit on a topic that if you never play professional football, mm -hmm. because I never did, but I had a great college football experience, right? So yep. my life was enriched by, and by the game. Think about yourself, all the things you've seen and done because of this no game. Doubt. And then also, you went to the University of Houston. That's where you met your wife, right? right. So that's all right. of the spinoff benefits of no this opportunity are phenomenal. In your mind, give me just a give me a fifteen second reason why Dusseldorf would, should be the place, Frankfurt should be the place, or Munich should be the place, as you see it. Um, well, Munich has by far the biggest stadium. I mean, that's certainly the biggest pitch. I would say, um, you know, Frankfurt is the middle of the country, which you know you kind of have the the draw on that and Dusseldorf, um, you know, starting to be a big player in the international hosting game, let's say, and they draw a lot of people from, you know, their region as well. So all of them, and then it really depends on the package these cities and teams are willing to throw at it. Like I was saying in the beginning, you know, what else is in there? Not just one game. Certainly we're looking for um, to, to uh, benefit the youth. All right now you're going over there next week and you're going to, mm -hmm. and you're going to get involved in this process again here, talk to the city people. All this. What is the timeline that we're working on, Sebastian? What do you? How long is it going to take for them to come up with a host city? Um, so the plan is. So it kind of depends on the partner city, like how fast they can be ready. And soccer is certainly the biggest drawback on that. Um, you know, let's say it doesn't matter if you, if you play in, in a stadium that's being, you know, that hosts Bundesliga games. You kind of dependent on their season, etc. So how fast can they make room for us? Um, plan is to have a game next year and to have, you know, it announced before the season is over. The season is over. All right. From having coached in NFL Europe, I can guarantee you that there'll be one person that will be completely disappointed. That's even saying it nicely, that, okay. the, that the NFL is coming to his stadium. And that's the groundskeeper. Because uh, well, <laughs> when, those guys, right? when those guys see the size of the of the american football of an nfl player no, and no. then they look at their grass and they you know how they treat their grass over there hey. I mean, it is we couldn't even go on the field and practice the day before a game because they were worried about the grass it's and i get it i get it and i mean quite honestly it's it's if you're preparing a stadium for soccer obviously they have a certain standard um for the bundesliga and, and the other ones as well um you're tearing it up. I mean, you know, it's and it's different grass. I believe Americans use a different yes. grass than a soccer than a soccer grass, so it gets torn up easier um, over there. 
so all those issues have to be um, have to be discussed. And I mean, that's really the nitty gritty thing that comes up later on. Um, but that is a nightmare, and you have to be ready for the next game or event or whatever else is being hosted there. No doubt. Hey, now um, you wrote a book. Mm -hmm. uh, two years ago, I guess it is now, and you come back with a second book. Talk to talk to us about your book and where uh, somebody that wants to read it can find it. Well, it's a German book, um, so but the title is "What It Takes." Uh, I mean, you can find it anywhere, Amazon, bookstore, whatever. Uh, well, it's more about really a mindset of what I have learned through my career and um, probably mostly professional career, but uh, general over life, and obviously you pick up a lot of points from guys like Bill Belichick, from the Tom Brady's, from like guys that have had an impact on, you know, my professional career and kind of what their philosophy is. And really in the end, what it takes to become a professional player, but it's not just for football. It's really a book about, uh, well, my beliefs, but in how to, um, you know, I don't want to get too deep, but succeed in what you're doing. And I don't mean success in financial ways. That is certainly not my definition. It's more about what you want to accomplish, whatever that is and how to get there. And it's really about the mindset, I believe, when I've learned on, uh, in the league, you need to have to do that. All right. Now, take what you've learned. Mm -hmm. right? And now what's in the book? And take me back. And there's a 19-year-old skinny kid, six yep. foot, six foot five, 230 pounds. And he's going to get on a jet and he's going to fly all the way across the ocean to Houston to go on this adventure. What would you tell that 19-year-old Sebastian Bulmer now? I mean, in the end, just go for it. I mean, I had nightmares. I, I mean, I had a nervous breakdown the night before when I was at the end. Like, there was a little voice telling me I have to do this, but I did not want to. And I mean, I was I was hard on myself. And I mean, which stress comes, you know, cortisol levels. And without getting into too much detail, it is cannot be beneficial. But in the end, if you want to make it, well, what do you have to do? I'm 230 pounds. Well, I can't play Division One college unless I'm 300 plus. So I could have used that time, you know, to eat, to work out, to, to get heavier, like all those things. I had to catch up on my first couple of years in college. So I was absolutely behind. And um, I think if you have a goal, what you want to accomplish, then you work back from that um, and, you know, make your make your uh, roadmap. But I think really what, what helped me is like a priority system saying, well, if I want to do this, if I want to become a professional player, whatever it is, well, everything else needs to be below that. Meaning, okay, Friday night party and drinking some beers, probably not going to get me there. So, well, that one is out. But then sometimes they're hard decision, right? Like, oh, birthday party. Well, it's the night before the game. Can't go. It's a wedding. Uh, maybe not. Like, I mean, at some point, they become critical situations and, and, and questions you got to ask yourself. But it really depends on how important it is. And if the sport, your job is number one, everything got to be underneath it. All right. So now you talk about the ability to prioritize, which I think is be able to compartmentalize and be yeah. able to and, and to be able to, to prioritize are two things that are absolutely critical for success in professional sport. Where did you get that idea? Where did that come to you from? Um, in the league, like probably my second year or so. And you kind of pick it up from other things. I mean, Tom had a big impact. I mean, he said one time, um, if you want to beat me, you got to give up your life because I'm willing to do the same. And I mean, I really had a, had a big impact on me. It's like, I mean, it is the absolute truth. I mean, if whatever you want to succeed in, if that is your number one, well, yeah, everything else kind of is going to be underneath that. And you've got to ask yourself, well, are you willing to do that? But I do believe if you want to be the best, like a Tom Brady, well, he's not just winging it out there. Like, I mean, he is the greatest who has done it because of what he is putting in. We just don't see it, right? I mean, we all know he practices hard, but I mean, he's a, he's a, 
I mean, it, we kind of hear things, and if you know him privately, it's even more like I mean, from what he eats to um, you know what time he goes to bed and um, the pH level in you know his water, like all those things. I mean, it really gets into the absolute details things, and it's really a question: Well, are you willing to do the same? All right, now let's talk about those Patriots, right? right? Which is a place that you know you had great success, Super Bowl champion, all that. Um, the, you know they had a big win last weekend against the Jets. Put fifty on the Jets. Yep. Got a got a young quarterback that has done some really good things. Talk to me about what you see out of Mac. Well, I'm excited. I think he's going to be. Well, he's already good. Uh, I think, but we can't forget. I mean, he's still a rookie, and I don't mean this in a bad way. It's just experience itself. So I think um, Bill always says, you know, I think the biggest jump is being made from year one to year two, like having a full off season, um, being knowing you're the starter. You don't split time with Cam Newton. Doing, um, you know, having learned, having film on yourself against NFL caliber defenses, all those things help. And you just kind of—it's the little things, right? Right now, you're probably in maybe in a hotel, an apartment. You don't have your, uh, I don't know, massage therapist, your chiropractic uh, office. Wh whatever you need to do, you're kind of finding that your second off season around. So I think from that standpoint, you're getting better. Then uh, a quarterback receiver connection, right? I mean, as I was saying, him splitting time at Cam Newton, those like for, the, for Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, think about that. I mean, those are two very different players. So you probably have two very different uh, ways of playing using your playbook. So that takes time from the offensive coordinator, spending time creating that for each player, for the players itself. I mean, the offensive line blocks differently for either quarterback, all those things. So I think it can only get better. And then hopefully nothing against the Jets, but it's probably not the strongest opponent, you know, they have beaten. So we've got to um, maybe take it with a grain of salt, but I hope they can use it as a, like a momentum and, and uh, uh, get rolling from here. I've really been impressed with him, Seabass, with his, you know, maturity. Yeah. You know, you see him faced with new blitzes that he hasn't mm -hmm. seen. You see him get hit. You see him all the things where a young quarterback could unravel. Yeah. And he doesn't seem to be shaken by those things. And I think that's a really, really, really good attribute for Definitely. any for any athlete, but particularly a quarterback. Looking at the East, are we talking about the AFC East? Yeah. Obviously, the Dolphins hugely disappointed. You live yeah. in Florida now. What's yeah. what's what's the What's the sense down there? Well, I mean, I live uh, in the very north of Florida, so I'm, you know, a thousand miles away. But um, I don't know. It's like, to me, I've been saying it for a while. I think the, the Bills obviously are a have been a strong team for years, and they have been unlucky, let's say, to be behind the Patriots for so long. But they were really a strong two, and they deserve to be in the playoffs, and it just didn't work out for them for a while. And I think they're deservedly sitting on top, and I think they're, 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 they're strong. Um, I mean, I don't know. Miami is it's tough. Um, it's tough to win down there. Like as a as a as a unit, I think there are a lot of distractions in that city. Obviously, I mean, we all know I've heard of Miami and, and South Beach and all those things. That probably doesn't doesn't help. Um, it's I think it's frustrating um, for for Miami fans because I mean they have talent. They have you know B flow. I think it's a good coach. Um, it's. It sometimes had a similar discussion uh, not too long ago, and it's like I, I don't know. Obviously, from the outside in, um, you know, we're talking here on camera. It's always easy to judge. It's I, I don't know how to fix it. Um, to be honest with you, um, yeah. I, I don't I don't know I don't know what to do about it. 
Well, Beef Lobo, I think, has got to get it fixed and get it fixed pretty fast because, you know, in the National Football League, as they say, it's not for long. And, yep. and uh, you know, that's just the way it is. How about the Jets? Did you feel – didn't you think that the Jets were going to make a step this year? I feel like you always do feel or hope or you feel like – I mean, that's how the NFL set up, right? I mean, it's like the worst team gets the first pick and um, – like all those things, there's many mechanisms in place where you should help the the, well, the the weaker teams. And I mean, they have they haven't done anything. Um, like they haven't been to playoffs in uh, I can't even remember how many years. Probably up since, Re uh, since Rex Ryan was there. That's how long ago. Gosh, so I mean, it, it might have been a year year one one or two for you. I think. Yeah, I think so because they went to the AFC Championship game. I think twice in a row. It might have been like twenty ten and eleven, something like that. I can't remember, but it's a while and. But since then, there's, I don't know, I mean, I mean, Rex Ryan, great coach, great defensive-minded guy. I mean, he always gave us a lot of problems. We lost against him quite a bit. Um, so, always a great defense. I mean, they were certainly structured to beat Tom Brady, which all the AFC East teams had to do. I mean, good defensive lines, uh, trying to create a lot of pressure. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Now they got to adjust, probably, uh, even though Mac is a very similar quarterback. But now you're probably chasing uh, the Buffalo Bills, so you might have to uh, have a slightly different team. Yep, that's exactly right. Hey, listen, before we let you go, we got some people that have were dying to get questions. To <laughs> All right. Mike, can you come out and we'll let's give it a couple of questions to see Bass? Are you with us? Right. Hey, Are you you got you to gotta take your mood off. There you go, buddy. I was a mute. It's my bad. It's my bad. Uh, obviously, thanks so much to everybody for their questions. Sebastian, here's a couple. Um, okay, first one is actually a guy from uh, a guy from Wales, from Cardiff. Sebastian, also called Sebastian. Uh, what German city would, well, I guess you sort of, sort of answered it, would be best suited to host an NFL game and why? Uh, I think everyone's just excited, Sebastian, for, for this game next year or in 2023. Yeah, I mean... These are all good choices, to be honest with you. I think it really depends on the overall concept, as I was uh, talking to Jeff about. Uh, and that's why we're going over there. Really, you got to look. And I think that it, they'll be sold out. I think the fans, I mean, it's a small country, right? I mean, you can take a train in five hours on the other side. So it's not that big of a deal. And if you watch it, soccer, I mean, they travel every Saturday. So I'm not worried about selling out. Hey, I want to tell you something. You, you got the two of us. We're putting our, we're right in Canada. We're saying Munich. Go with Munich. All right, we'll, well, we'll find out. I'll be back uh, during Super Bowl, and we'll, we'll find out who won. All right, well, yeah. you can come back on the show, and we can talk right. about it. All right. Just trying to get the exclusive. I've got one more question, Sebastian. It's from a guy called Mark. He's a big Pats fan, so please okay. excuse his question. It's a big question. O-line colleagues sometimes had some unexpected plays, whether Dan Conley versus Greenbelt, Nate Solder with eligible tackle touchdown against yeah. the Colts, or even the four-man line against the Ravens and Hooman receiving from the left tackle spot. Did you ever have a designated player that wasn't called, uh, or did you lobby Bill Belichick for one? Um, so that play, if you remember um, that Nate, I think it was an AFC Championship game against uh, Baltimore where he caught that pass. So that goes obviously both ways. And um, kind of disappointed, you know. It's, no, wait a second. Like, oh, you could have been, you could have had that ball if it gone the other way, if they called it the other way? I mean, technically, I mean, it's probably a good choice. They didn't choose me, you know. I mean, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, but we were happy. Actually, if you watch the celebration afterwards, I mean, the entire offensive line is just like drowning him in fat. Just everybody's on top of him, you know, and just uh, loving him. So it's been, it was great. So when offensive lineman scores, it's always great. Every other question, Jeff and Sebastian is asking what city it is in Germany. So I have nothing else to add here. Hey. Apart from, I hope it's Munich. So. 
Listen, man, I tell you what, it's awesome to have you back on the show. Congratulations on being involved in, uh, you know, this selection thing with Germany. You're killing it on TV. You you know, you're, now you're turning into a movie star on me. Oh, please. Writing your second book, baby. I love it. Well, listen. Well, appreciate it. I look I look forward to seeing you down the road. I know I'll see you this before the Super Bowl, and if I hope, and if not, well, I'll see you at the Super Bowl, and then get your, get your family over and come visit us in Hawaii. Will do. Would love to. All I right, appreciate you, it, as always. It's been thank, great. Thank you very much, my brother. Thank you. Appreciate you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's the 73rd time we've done this, the 73rd edition of Coffee with the Coach. Michael, outstanding job. Two fantastic guests. It was awesome to have Richard Graves dishing about his Dallas Cowboys. You can't tell he's excited. He thinks the Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl. And Sebastian Vollmer, Super Bowl champion, uh, New England, ex-New England Patriot, offensive lineman, and currently involved with the National Football League in the selection of the city that, that will host a international series game in Germany, hopefully next year. It was great to have those two great guests on. Always a pleasure with you, Michael. And again, great questions and comments from everybody in the, on the tribe. Again, we'll see you next week here on Coffee with Coach. Thanks, Jeff. See you next week.